0: A big thank you to the TalkPython team who sponsor this episode of the podcast. If you want to get better at Python, now is an excellent time to take an online course. Whether you are just learning Python to delve into great topics like artificial intelligence or you need to go deep into things like APIs and async, my friends at TalkPython Training have a top-notch course for you. Visit talkpython.fm slash mind to find your next level and get a 10% discount. Also a big thank you to all my patrons who support the Engineered Mind Podcast. Hi and welcome to the Engineered Mind Podcast. In this podcast we cover topics such as engineering, artificial intelligence, neuroscience and other interesting topics to educate, inspire and engineer people's minds all around the world. I'm your host Joseph, and for this episode of the podcast I'm very happy to have Paul Azunro on my show. He is the author of the great book called Transfer Learning for Natural Language Processing. Paul holds a PhD in computer science from Massachusetts Institute of Technology. In his dissertation, he developed novel global optimization techniques for previously unaddressed problem classes, including parabolic partial differential equations, to improve the optical efficiency of solar energy. He has served as a principal investigator on several DARPA research program teams, advancing the state of the field of natural language processing, short NLP. He has held the role of Research Director in Artificial Intelligence, Machine Learning, Data Science, and NLP at companies ranging from small, rapidly growing startups such as New Knowledge, Yonder, to large companies such as Dunn & Bradstreet. His work has been published in major peer-reviewed international research journals, and he frequently contributes as a program committee member at top conferences in the field. He founded the startup venture Algorin, a research lab spun out of the MIT to advance basic AI, ML, and optimization research and seek high social impact applications. And now ladies and gentlemen, here is my conversation with Paul Azunre. So hi, Paul, welcome to my podcast. It's really a pleasure to have you here. And what we'll start with is give us like a one minute bio about yourself, what you do, what you did in the past, just to give the audience an overview of who you are.
1: Hello, Yusuf. Very nice to be here. Uh, My name is Paul Azunre. I am an NLP researcher. Uh, I did my dissertation work, my PhD work uh, at MIT in um, optimization, mathematical optimization. I was applying it to solar energy. This led me down the path of this computational path, which is optimization. It's kind of similar to machine learning. And so at some point, I switched to machine learning, um, particularly in the context of fake news detection at a company called uh, New Knowledge, which is now called Yonda. We were one of the uh, uh, companies that was that was battling, you know, uh, this scourge of you know influence operations that has becoming has becoming more uh, I guess prominent over the past few years, and that's how I got involved in NLP, and now I work in NLP proper, and particularly I'm studying transfer learning for NLP.
0: Mm-hmm. Sounds super interesting. Can you maybe for someone who is not familiar with NLP, explain what NLP is what it stands for?
1: Uh, NLP stands for natural language processing. Thank you for that. And natural language processing is just uh, a name given to the set of methods that we would use to train a computer to understand human language, understand human language, make decisions on it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So and this is, of course, becoming more important today because you know we have the internet, we have all this data that human beings can't possibly read uh, all of it. So we actually need machines to read the data at scale to, for instance, detect cybersecurity threats. An example of those could be an influence operation in somebody's democracy, right? Mm-hmm. Or many other examples, like people breaking into, you know, analyzing signals, you know, uh, speech signals to see if people are, you know, terrorists are trying, you know, maybe organizing for some cause, right? These are all things um, where NLP could be used, of course, things like medical diagnosis, you know, from, you know, reading data about a person, right? These are all places where natural language processing has become very important.
0: Mm-hmm. Got it. Um, can you explain us why NLP is in that sense so easy so the concept is quite easy but we cannot hard code everything so why is it still so complex to to get nlp right
1: uh i hmm. think uh, a lot of methods for nlp um really matured over the past couple of years and when i say methods I, I mean in particular this transfer learning idea right so uh before you know the current ongoing revolution, we definitely had a lot of tools that worked okay but um there were some deficiencies in them or there have been deficiencies in them, like one example being that you know we were training systems from scratch a lot of the time right so human beings uh if you think about the way human beings learn, we do not learn things from scratch every single time, right? We make associations with what we know, and we build on that. But uh, for a lot of NLP systems until recently, that wasn't uh, truly the case. Uh, There have been, you know, this idea is not, I should say, not new, because transfer learning, like, if you use Word2Vec, you are already doing transfer learning, right? Because somebody pre-trained the model, you took it, and now you are repurposing it. But uh, that, those, uh classes of methods had a lot of deficiencies. Deficiencies such as, you know, uh the word level and so they couldn't you know they were very brittle. If there was a word out of vocabulary, right, they would break. Like that makes a system very brittle, right? You want you want a system to be stable, right? Because, you know, somebody may misspell something on social media. Actually people do <laughs> all the time. And actually on purpose, right? So a system that doesn't take that into account can't work. And so progressively over the past few years, a couple years, it's really accelerated. We've been overcoming those hurdles faster and faster. And so actually now NLP is surprisingly effective. If you know you have access to the right set of methods, Mm -hmm. which are all open source. So
0: yeah, can you talk about this this uh, specific moment, this image net moment of NLP and when it was and how you felt about it or how do you feel about that
1: okay that's a, that's a good one this one comes up a lot so that maybe it's, it's very important first to talk about the original nlp moment right which mm-hmm. happened in uh, sorry the original ImageNet moment yeah, right. which happened in computer vision uh, so if you think about the way Today, if someone is going to build a pizza, not pizza, classifier, they're not going to train a model from scratch. But a model is huge, you know? But you can train it on your GPU in like probably like an hour and have a decent classifier. And the reason, the ImageNet moment was when that became possible. And so before that, you know, you know, we had a lot of the components, but uh, people were training their system from scratch so you needed to be say at a big research lab mit stanford you know or whatever the big internet company of the day was in order to uh, train an image classifier right but um what happened uh, is that uh, first of all we created a data set called ImageNet, net um, surprisingly which was had good coverage and had in it enough general elements such that when you train the system on it, uh, the that knowledge could transfer to basically everything. And the reason that worked was because ImageNet has in it about uh, thousand classes of objects, right, that were picked in a way that you know covers the kind of things that a computer might see, right, and so that that availability of that data when we combine that with the availability of computing power um, and like the gpus through the gpus in the personal gaming market so all the elements were right and basically exploded now all of a sudden and combined with a set of methods for fine-tuning the model Uh, when i say fine-tuning it means training a very small subset of it right so if you think about so today, because of that moment that happened, uh, it's been a while. It's a very pretty standard in computer vision now to download the model and only fine-tune a small subset of it, right? So we have the methods, we have the data, we have the computing power, right? Um, until recently, in NLP systems, that wasn't the case. Like people, you know, you need a lot of labeled data, which takes a lot of efforts for any particular task, right? And then it's expensive and some people don't want to deal with it. Um, But now there have been particular uh, innovations in NLP, one of them being the way we self-supervise the the system, uh, by which I mean, like the the models that we are talking about today, all of them are trained with, uh, uh, you know, a target, which is very easy to generate and you don't need humans to generate it. The target, by the target, I mean, uh next word in a sequence right if if a sequence of words is coming in what's the next word right you don't need a human to create the data for that that's just self-supervised you throw the data at the model and you know it looks you know it has the sequence so you can drop one of the words and try to predict it right that's very easy to do if then statement right and actually that idea has now become uh, so it started with the predicted the next word in a sequence. Now it's more like fill in the blanks. So now we drop a few words and then we try to predict uh, the words in it, the way we dropped. And then we also try to predict maybe the next se- uh, sentence. So there are variations of this idea. But all of this stuff does not require manual labels, which means we can train the model and we have so much data, we can just throw it at the model. So basically, all of this mo- uh, most of these models were trained on basically you know the internet right? <laughs> mm-hmm. like all the books uh, you know all the books we, we have digitized and you know wikipedia like everything you can just throw at it and then also computational innovations so of course when you try to train on that so much data is very that's a lot of computation right but you know so some techniques like the transformer have made it easier to scale that to a lot of gpus so google can now train it very fast in their gpu farm additionally we've come up with methods for fine tuning remember how in the original ImageNet moment we were saying we would tune only maybe the last two layers of the pizza not pizza right now we've come with a very you know similar set of methods for fine tuning maybe couple layers the language model actually gets you know more sophisticated than that some people you know have found that if you vary say the, the learning rate in a certain way or if you unfreeze the model gradually you know those sorts of things it can make it easier to like not overfit and all of that so a set of this set of methods are basically equivalent to retraining those last two layers of the computer vision system so now we have all the elements right we have the cheap labels we have the computing power and we have the techniques for training it quickly mm-hmm. and also adapt it locally very fast so all the elements and of course it takes off
0: hmm got it um yeah. you talk about the major technologies today like which are the strongest models you know about today
1: oh it changes every day <laughs> uh but uh, oh very 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 quickly i would say today albert is the strongest uh, model because if you look at you know the, the glue uh leaderboard glue stands for general language understanding i think evaluation and it's basically a set of tasks very similar to ImageNet in that it, it, it covers the kind of things you might want to do mm-hmm. so it covers you know things like question answering question answering and you know parts of speech tagging and named entity recognition and all of those things. It's a general set of tasks. So people evaluate their models on that. And there's a leaderboard, which at any point in time you can look at and it changes a lot. So it started the image, the ImageNet NLP moment started with Elmo, I would say, it was on top. And it was using in recurring neural networks. And then Bert knocked it off, Bert uses Instead of the recurrent neural networks, it uses transformers, and so it could be a bigger model, and so knocked off Elmo from the top. Now people are beginning to realize that. Uh, I mean, some people are still building bigger and bigger models. I think last week Open gpt 3 was released, exactly, right? Yeah. The biggest one. It's ridiculous. Uh, but even the authors of that paper said, um, "We think this is not the right thing to be doing." And so actually uh, the field actually realized some time ago that maybe we should be making the huge models we already have more efficient, right? imagine that. Um, And so right now we have things like ALBERT, which is a modification of of BERT, which has done some innovations on how uh, to reduce the number of parameters without, you know, sacrificing too much performance. And this enables BERT to become, you know, 90% smaller. So we are talking about 120 million parameters becoming 12 million parameters, right? So it becomes even easier for people to just start doing this stuff everywhere, right? So Albert, if you look at the chart, Albert is at the top. However, um, this question, right, has to be answered in the context of the particular application and all the other constraints of an engineering project and it might, not, it might not be the model, I just have to say, it might not be the model you would choose just because, you know, dependencies, right? You may actually, or the problem can be solved with the simplest thing, like a keyword match. If mm-hmm. the problem is really structured, then there's no need for, right? But if you are looking at the hardest, hardest perception problems like translation and natural, like really understanding the language, probably Albert will be your choice. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. But there are other things like distilled bird is another, you know, there's something called prune bird now. So more effective variations of bird and they're probably going to be, it's going, it's going to be another one tomorrow. So keep watching the Um uh,
0: Yeah, I see. Super interesting. Um, Talking about these models and these billions of parameters they sometimes have. Where do you see NLP going into the future? Also, considering, for instance, uh, mobile development, is this mm-hmm. is this something you are very curious about and very happy about that this will be more common in the future? Where do you see the future of NLP going? Uh,
1: the future of NLP is definitely going towards uh, more effect, more efficient variants of, um, you know, this transformer-based models. That's what I see. This, you know a lot of activity there and it makes sense. And actually it makes mobile development easier, right? Because now you can do all of these things on a mobile phone, which is ridiculous. And of course the applications, I think there's a lot of exciting applications just because the opportunities have opened up, all right? So if most of the world's languages have not been translated, for instance, some are, you know, disappearing, you know, And before, like, you know, in some countries, perhaps, or for somebody in a certain economic situation, they couldn't say get, you know, 10 GPUs on EC2 to train a model for two weeks, right? Uh, That's not economically feasible for them, right? But they have problems, like maybe medical problems, they could be solving their community, right? But they couldn't, right, because of the barrier was too high. Now all of a sudden they can, like if they have a laptop with the modest GPU on it, they can do this. So, um, I think there's almost like a wildfire of applications. The possibilities are endless. I think um, we definitely need to understand what the model is doing best. So a lot of uh, machine learning, I think uh, as a field is very experimental and of course that's driven by just the nature of everything it's like the models are huge you can't you know prove theorems about every single part of it it's just so complex right um but we there is definitely a recognition that we need to understand them more so theoretically there's a lot of work ongoing that tries to explain how some of these models work and how you know it's alternative explanations and you know because that will drive the research on what's more efficient but yeah just to TLDR, more efficient variants of uh, transformer based models, right now that's definitely the trend.
0: Mm -hmm. If someone doesn't understand what transformer based models are, what is the main idea, maybe in one or two sentences if it's possible to explain it in in a very simple manner?
1: Yes, actually it can. And maybe before I explain it, maybe I make an example. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's say you had a sentence like uh, the 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 prison uh, inmate uh, was speaking on the cell phone from inside his cell to his friend about cell biology, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. Because maybe maybe he knows something about cell biology. Um, so, which when when a model looks at each one of these words, how does it know? Which, which meaning it is, right? So, um, like a model like Word2Vec doesn't, can't really do that. Like, I mean, it takes, it 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 it, it gives you the meaning that's the average meaning of all the words that all the ways it's been used in it, when it was trained, right? Uh, but, so you can't disambiguate. And the transformer achieves disambiguation. And basically, the way it does that is by looking around the word to see what the context is, and make the decision based on the context, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm using a lot more than one or two sentences, but I hope it's very simple to understand. So you just, you just look around. Or another, maybe, another example, like a word like, he saw, he saw the duck, and so he ducked, right? Uh, one is a verb, the other is a noun. Right. So if the model could look around to see that, oh, okay, this is a verb, this is a noun, then it could assign the meaning accordingly. Right. The transformer used basically achieves that, and it does it does that using something called self-attention.
0: Mm, got okay. it. So
1: just look around to determine the context.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got it. Now another question: You are originally from Ghana, and I'm not sure if if there's a Google translate available or not because you have a special language there um how is it how can models like you're working on in n l. p how can it help countries like for instance Ghana and other developing countries i would say to improve in life? What would you say it's a more maybe philosophical economical question but but maybe no,
1: you're you're you hitting the the nail right in the head so in Ghana actually we don't have just one. Language. We actually yeah, have a lot. Yeah, yeah, A lot, a lot, a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And none of them have any translation technology, which makes a lot of things difficult, right? Um, so, uh, where, 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 you know, transfer learning for NLP can help with translation in particular in those kinds of languages, the, the challenge is data. So, there's a lot of data for English, Russian, Chinese. Mm-hmm. There isn't that much. And these models are, you know, data hungry. You know, you need, that's, that's where the, you know, the revolution is coming from. There's so much data that you can just learn everything. Um, but there's not so much data for these languages in Ghana. So what do you do? Well, transfer learning can help there. And actually there's a variant of BERT. It's, it's an example I used to explain this. Uh, it's called multilingual BERT that was trained on over 100 languages. None of them uh, includes any Ghanaian languages, but in the same way we were training on ImageNet on a general data set, this is kind of like being trained on a gen- general data set of languages. Mo- so it's learning the commonalities between many languages, right, and so it's there's definitely learning something that is g- might transfer to other languages, right? And so you can take you can use this transfer learning idea to initialize multilingual birds to whatever language you're trying to, uh, to, to that, those parameters, and then fine tuning it on the data that you have. You still need a sufficient, some amount, but there are sources you can find, you know, there's a Jehovah Witness data set that has translated basically literally all the languages to some high resource language right so you don't you you just need an unsupervised part anyway, you just need a corpus in that language. there are sources that believe really, like the Bible being translated to everything um so and of course, you don't want your model to be at the end of the day represent like about the Bible. it has to be about human life in general, but again, you initialize somewhere you throw you move the model closer to where you want it to be by feeding it maybe the bible and then you add, start adding the real data right? that you are able to collect and because you've gone through this process you don't need billions of words you may get away with depending on the stage less and less right so and actually uh, I'm the founder of an organization called Ghana NLP that was formed to uh, with a couple of colleagues to form a uh, to basically address this problem. And this is all the things we are doing. Uh, I trained the language model um, to be predicting uh, words in filling in the blanks, kind of smart compose for our language tree. Um, and so now I'm able to do all of this, combining it with some of the, you know, efficiency improvements we talked about earlier. I'm able to train this model in like I'm, uh, 15 hours, it's ridiculous. And it's filling in the blanks. You know, and it's, yeah, I haven't fully transferred it to like the real colloquial speech. This was trained on Jehovah Witness data, uh, but it's filling in the blanks almost perfectly now. You know, and that was 15 hours on one GPU. It's becoming extremely accessible to do this, right? So um, it's, it's very exciting to me. And this touches anything. Once, once you have a language model for the language you can do cyber security, right, online, for instance, mm-hmm. right? A lot better than you could before. Uh, you can classify things into positive and negative reviews, if that's what you're trying to do. Or classify a patient into urgent care or not urgent care. You know, there's just, anywhere you look, right, there's, there is <laughs> an application. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm very excited about it. Um, I think. I think anyone who understands it's extremely, and there are a lot of people, I've not, not seen um, like a technological revolution like this before. This is the most, you know, the, just if you just follow the people, you know, in the field on Twitter, the kind of things you see happening every day, like literally every day, um, it's, it's shocking. Mm. You know, and all, all of it, all of it, kind of derives from these concepts. We described, described various, you know, innovations in there, uh, but it's just breakneck speed, mm. you know, breakneck so, speed. So I, I really hope anyone watching this checks this out. There's an opportunity to do something very remarkable for everyone, mm-hmm. you know.
0: Absolutely, that's good that you said. Definitely it.
1: no shortage of problems.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's so cool that you said that because. I wanted to talk about how people can dive into this field, and you wrote a book called Transfer Learning in NLP, and can you maybe talk about it? How is it structured, and what can people expect from your book?
1: Okay. Uh, the book uh, is written to be an introduction to the topic, so we try to keep things extremely accessible. One of the challenges um, of the field is because it moves so quickly, there's no standardized uh, material. A lot of people are doing, you know, very good work, excellent work, you know, and I, I learn from it. And I follow them on Twitter, and I talk to them all the time. Uh, but uh, in my experience, it's, it's been extremely inaccessible. You can find blog posts. You know, you can read the papers if you have that skill, but that's not the skill everyone has. You can read the blog posts, and there are a lot of good ones, a lot of good blogs, but kind of scattered all over the place. So to, to find the story, the most essential parts of the story, up to a certain, like very quickly, so that you can start solving your own problems. Um, it has been somewhat challenging. Um, so this is what the book tries to achieve. It goes through, you know, first introduces you to this historical context of where we are, you know, where we came from with all these imaginative things. And then starts introducing you to the key uh, architectures. It provides the code. So the code is free. It comes along with the book. We uh, hosted it on Kaggle. Uh, and so you within a couple minutes, you can hit copy and edit and start running the thing. And Kaggle uh, offers you um, 30 hours of free GPU time per week. Mm-hmm. I've not needed more than that in writing this, so it should be sufficient for you to run it. So you will get this free GPU. You can use Collab Notebook if you want, but that's, we recommend Kegel just because everything's set up and attached and you can just click run. Um, and, you know, so within very quickly, the hope is very quickly you can start, you can copy the code and just change it and apply it to a different problem, you know, within hours. That's mm-hmm. our hope. Um, so very accessible and, you know, hopefully after you read the book and you start solving your own problems, you go and follow, you know, Bunch of sources that you like and then of course keep your eye on the field because it moves very quickly But this will bring you to a point where you know very quickly. You should Begin to understand what's going on
0: Mm -hmm. That's that's incredibly cool. I will put a link of the book uh, From Manning down in the description if anyone is interested and I'll also provide you with a discount code so you can save some bucks uh, When getting the book from Paul for sure Um, is there anything else maybe some motivating words at the end you want to give the audience Paul
1: yes Um, I think it's uh, important to democratize the ongoing uh, technological revolution in NLP not just in NLP but overall Um, and specifically in NLP that's what we I can do something about um, I think a lot a lot of cultures can be left behind, like our rich cultural heritage, as humanity can be lost, and also uh, a lot of human suffering that's not could be solved relatively quickly if we just made these benefits accessible to everyone so and I hope that you know transfer lens and NLP is one way that we can achieve that, and I hope it interests you, but there are lots of different ways to achieve that uh, for instance ethical AI uh, understanding you know what you know when you're sampling data and you're making sensitive decisions you know be sure to think about you know how how you sample so that there's not bias in some way you know those sorts of things. Uh, as I think we've not been thinking enough about the ethics of what we are doing. Uh, a lot of things have been driven, you know, by economics purely, purely, and it has improved human life dramatically, and so we are all very grateful for it. But we also need to think, you know, now we are at a place where we can should spend more time thinking about the ethics of what we are doing and about democratizing what we are doing, uh, because this this could this helps all of us.
0: Absolutely. These are very motivating words, Paul. I would say thank you so much, by the way, for for compressing your, your your huge amount of knowledge into this short podcast, though. And I think people listening to it will learn a lot from NLP. And if, if they are interested, they can, of course, get your book or delve into the field of NLP by reading blogs, following you on Twitter and so on, or other people on Twitter as well. Uh, with that being said, thank you so much for your time, Paul. And I'm looking forward to hearing from you maybe in the second part let's see in the future
1: it's been nice to be here Yusuf
0: thank you so much bye-bye have a good day everyone you too